You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning to you. Uh, we continue our series called Unlectionary uh, today. These are stories that are not in the lectionary. A lectionary is the three-year cycle that has an Old Testament, Psalm, New Testament, and Gospel text that we use to, to, to offer worship on Sunday mornings. These stories are not in that list, uh, and, and you'll understand why. The first week we talked about Elisha. Uh, some boys made fun of him for being bald, so he uh, summoned she-bears out of the woods to maul them. That's a story that's not in the Sunday morning lectionary. Uh, and last week we talked about Balaam, who had a talking donkey. That's also not in the Sunday morning lectionary texts. And today we have another really peculiar, kind of fun masterpiece of a story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 28. I made a printout of the story there. I know that you brought your Bible, but that's a supplement for your Bible uh, today or your Bible app. I'd love for you to follow along with me as you read the story of Samuel's ghost and the witch of Endor, which is a great Halloween. It tis the season, right? This is a good ghost story on this Sunday morning. Uh, it's on your Bible. It's on the screens. It's online. Here we go. This is the word of the Lord. Now Samuel had died and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. Saul had expelled the mediums and wizards from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. Saul gathered all Israel and they encamped at Gilboa. <clears throat> when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, nor by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, seek out for me a woman who is a medium so I may go to her and inquire of her. His servant said to him, there is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and he went there, he and two men with him. They came to the woman by night and he said, consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one whom I name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the wizards from the land. Why then are you laying a snare for my life to bring up about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Who shall I bring up for you? He answered, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, have, have no fear. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the ground. He said to her, what is his appearance? She said, an old man is coming up. He is wrapped in a robe. So Saul knew that it was Samuel. And he bowed his face to the ground and did obeisance. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? 
Saul answered, I am in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answers me no more either by prophets or by dreams. So I have summoned you to tell me what I should do. Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you just as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you today. Moreover, he's not done. The Lord will give Israel along with you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. The woman came to Saul, and when she saw that, she was ter- that he was terrified, she said to him, Your servant has listened to you. I have taken my life in my hand, and you have listened to what you have said to me. Now, therefore, you also listen to your servant." Let me set a morsel of bread before you. Eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he listened to their words. So he got up from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house. She quickly slaughtered it. She took flour kneaded it, and baked unleavened cakes. She put them before Samuel, uh, Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yes. What a fantastic story. I mean, the, the, the book of 1 Samuel is an interesting story in and of itself, but this story in particular, Samuel's ghost and the witch of Endor, is particularly Fascinating. It is, it is a tragic story of the demise of Israel's first king. First Samuel begins with the uh, Israelites saying, we want a king. We want someone to lord over us. They didn't want a king so that they could have great authority in their land. They wanted a king so that they could be like other nations. That was the problem. We want a king. We don't want to be unique. We don't want to be set apart by God. We want a king like all the other cool kids are have, right? We want a king like everyone else. And God says, okay. God says, okay. God acquiesces. He goes, okay, you can have a king, but let me tell you how this is going to work out. It will be up to the king to keep my commandments. It'll be up to the king to keep my law on your behalf. And it's not going to work out well for you. But then God allowed them to have a king. Nevertheless, Samuel, God's prophet, anoints Saul as king of God's own people. But it wasn't long before Saul began to turn away from God's commands and he became selfish, he became wicked, and he kind of fell deeper and deeper into darkness. Our story today picks up at the dawn of Saul's fateful battle against the Philistines. He's nervous, he's fearful, and he's desperate. So, for most of this morning, we're going to walk through this unfamiliar story. It's a, it's a story in four different scenes. This first scene functions like a prologue, right at the very beginning. It sets the stage. Samuel is dead. Saul has expelled all the mediums and wizards, regardless if they're Hufflepuff or Gryffindor. 
God becomes silent. But in the next three scenes, all of this unravels. And all of this is turned on its head. God's silence in the story is what puts things in motion. Saul looks at the Philistine army and he was afraid and he was troubled. So he prays to God, but he receives no answers. Not by dreams, not by prophets, by nothing. So he gathered his stewards together and asked them to seek out a medium to see if she might have an answer. The story is already beginning to turn on itself. One of the first things Samuel Saul does, I'm going to do that a hundred times. The first thing Saul does is that he expels all the witches and wizards from the land. Well, until he needed them. Go consult a medium for me, Saul says. So first, Saul pronounced this expulsion of witches so that there are no mediums to consult. But he sends his men out to find one anyway. So Saul can't even keep the rule that he made. His authority is already beginning to unravel. Second, Saul is dissatisfied with God's silence. He sees, this, the, big, he sees the size of the Philistine army. He prays to God. God says nothing. And this is, this is unnerving to him. But the thing is, Saul didn't listen to God when God was speaking. But now when God is silent, this concerns Saul greatly. God's silence is unnerving. And silence can be unnerving. I've often been asked why God is silent in prayer. Why God doesn't seem to answer prayers or speak after our prayers have concluded. There are several answers to that question, I suppose. But the one that gives me hope is that when God is silent, it means that God is listening. Or as my mom would say, you have two ears and one mouth. Do the math. We should all listen twice as much as we speak. So maybe when we are praying and God is silent, God is inviting us to continue talking, to continue to pour ourselves out, to continue to offer our grievances or our praise. All of us, when tension happens, and tension is happening with Saul, we tend to fall in one or the other category. Some of us are talkers, and some of us are processors. And by a very weird, interesting, unique thing of humanity, talkers and processors tend to find each other and get married. <laughs> when tension happens, someone likes to talk, and the talker likes to talk. And they like to talk about their day. They like to give lots of detail. The worst thing you can do with a talker when the talker is working out their issue is to interrupt them with a solution. Have you ever been? I've seen several folks going, oh, that's why. Okay, that's how that fight started. Yes. The worst thing you can do when a talker is talking about their problem is to interrupt them and say, oh, well, then just do this. And maybe you've heard this. I didn't ask you to solve my problem. I asked you to hear it. Talkers find healing through talking. But then some are processors. When tension happens, when you see a Philistine army, you retreat. And you, you, you think, 
how do I feel about this? And you go into your man, or any kind of a cave, you go into your cave, and you think, and maybe you stew, and you're just, you, you need to be silent. The worst thing to do to a processor when they're going through uh, tension is to force them to talk. Hey, I can see something's bothering you. You want to talk about it? No, really, do you want to talk about it over dinner tonight? Do you want to talk about it? I can see that something's bothering you. Do you want to talk about it? Right? No, 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 I don't. I want to go. I want to figure out what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. Okay? So here's Saul. Saul is talking it out, man. He's like, go find a medium. I need some words. I need some something to help me with this. And God is over here. And it's just not enough for Saul. It's just not enough. Now, this sermon is not about marriage and how to get along, but this is for free. Sometimes the talker is talking too much and the processor has to say, okay, I can see that this has been bothering you for a long time. Let's figure out a solution together. And sometimes the processor hasn't been talking for a while and they've been building a wall and they've become very, very distant. And at that point, the talker says, hey, you're now building, you're, you're distant now. I can see that something's bothering you. Now let's talk about it. Interesting how talkers and processors tend to find each other in this crazy thing that we call life. Silence is unnerving to Saul. Curtain closes. When the curtain comes back up in scene two, Saul's men, uh, they find this medium in the woods and Saul takes off his kingly garment and it says it puts on other clothes. Tis the season for dressing up in costume. Yes, Halloween. Here we are. Admittedly, admittedly, Halloween is not my favorite um, uh, holiday. And it's, it's not theological. Halloween has its roots in the church. All Hallows Eve is the night before All Saints Sunday or All Saints Day. All Hallows Eve was reserved by the church to celebrate the saints of the church. And then the next day, All Saints Day is to honor all of those who are now living in the eternal heart of God. So it's not a, my beef with Halloween is not, is not theological. It's not even practical. I love kids coming to the house and trick-or-treat and you put candy in the thing. And I mean, when was the last time your, all of your neighbors got together and knocked on each other's door and needed something and converted? So it's not, log, it's not logistics. That's not my beef. It's, it's that really my preference in holiday contains things that you can do any day of the year. Right? Like Christmas. Who doesn't like presents? You don't have to wait until Christmas to give somebody a present. Give somebody a present today. It will make their day. It's actually my dad's birthday today. Happy birthday, Rick Rawl. Uh, give presents. That's great. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Who doesn't like just a little bit of whiskey and a song, right? It's just any day would be great. Thanksgiving, you can have turkey today if you want to. You can make stuffing for lunch. But if I go to your house today and ask for a cup of sugar and you answer the door dressed as Batman... I'm just, it's going to take me a minute to want to come to your house again. Oh, wait, it's the 31st. It's okay, right? Grown-ups, you can dress up whenever you want. You could, after a long day's work, you can go home and dress up like Batman if you want to. Halloween's just not my, and maybe, maybe it's really because, maybe it's because 
I saw Thriller at too early of an age. Did you see the world premiere of Thriller? I know you did. I did, and I hid behind the door, my knees literally knocking, when Michael Jackson turns into a zombie. What were my parents thinking? Later that afternoon, I went and uh, uh, got ready for bed, and I took a shower, and I was drying myself off, and my dad, happy birthday, Rick Rawl, my dad decided to use his brand new gorilla mask on me. And he peeked around the corner, right? And I'll put it this way, I had to take another bath. So Halloween, Halloween's just not my fave. Here we have this story of Saul putting on other, he's coming in disguise. The Hebrew word for this, by the way, is he puts on treachery. These other clothes that he's putting on is treachery. He's in disguise, meaning to be full of deceit. He exchanges his crown for treachery. And he consults this medium in the woods. His kingship continues to unravel. He pronounces a rule that neither he nor anyone else can follow. God becomes silent. He takes off his kingly effects and puts on treachery. He's lost all power, all authority, and now the clothes he has put on that he has assumed this new identity of deceit. And the the narrator tells us, oh, by the way, it's night. That's not them letting you know like what time of day. It's, it's dark. Nothing good happens in the woods after midnight. And it was night. Saul approaches this medium and asks, consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one whom I named to you. And the woman replied, surely you know what Saul has done. What an interesting phrase for her to say. Surely you know, wink, wink, what Saul has done. He has expelled the mediums. Why then are you laying a snare for my life to bring about my death? The reversal continues. Surely you know what Saul has done. Obviously he knows what Saul has done. He doesn't care. How he has cut off the mediums and the wizards from the land. Obviously that's not true. He's talking to one. And why are you laying a snare for my life? Spoiler It's not her life that the trap has been set, for whom the trap has been set. Everything that is said in this story, the opposite is true. Fantastic, masterful storytelling. Saul then swears by the Lord, the Lord who isn't talking to him, I swear by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come to you for this thing. In the Hebrew, a more accurate translation is, as the Lord lives, should you hold any guilt over this, dot, dot, dot. In other words, in the Hebrew, it is an incomplete thought, just like his kingship and his leadership. It is incomplete. If anything happens to you because of this, Whom shall I bring up for you? She asks. Samuel, Saul replies. By the way, this term to bring up from the ground is a term that means to exalt, to praise. I want you to bring up or exalt or praise Samuel in this moment. When the woman sees Samuel, 
She cries out in loud voice, what have you done? You've deceived me. You are Saul. And he just keeps going. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Ah, you know, hey, don't worry about it. What do you see? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The whole reason Saul is in the woods is because he's shaking in his tunic. He saw the size of the, and he's like, don't worry about it. Don't be, he's like now all of a sudden like cool as a cucumber. Like, don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. I know you're seeing the ghost of Samuel come out of the ground. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Tell me what you see. I see an old man and he's wrapped in a robe. And Saul then bows his face because he knows it is Samuel. This downward spiral continues. Don't be afraid. Tell me what you see. This is what people not fit for leadership do. They make rules for everyone but themselves. Everything that they say, the opposite is true. Saul is a narcissist of the highest magnitude. Curtain. Then in scene three, we hear what Samuel has to say. Saul says, I'm in great distress with the Philistines. They're warring against me and God has turned away from me and, and he answers me no more. Interesting about his phrase. He has it kind of backwards. Do you hear that? He goes, I'm at war with the Philistines. They're really powerful. Oh yeah, and by the way, God isn't listening to me or talking to me. And Samuel says, boy, do you have this backwards. <laughs> Samuel says, why are you bothering me with this? You didn't listen to me when I was alive and you didn't listen to God. Why bother with summoning me now? Samuel answers his questions in the right order. Samuel says nothing about the Philistines yet. He goes, why are you bothering me with this? It's, the, it's like that great story of Lazarus and the rich man. Send Lazarus to reach my brothers and tell them to change their ways. Go to Ebenezer Scrooge and tell him, right, to change his ways. Well, they didn't listen to the prophets then they're not going to listen even if someone were to rise from the dead, Jesus says in that great parable. You didn't listen to God, which is why God is silent to you today. Moreover, and this is what he says, moreover, your kingdom will be given. Let's get to the Philistines, he says, he says finally. Your kingdom will be given to David. Israel will be defeated by the Philistines. And then the most ominous thing, oh, and by the way, you and your sons will be with me tomorrow. Dun, dun, dun. Curtain, right? And then the curtain comes back up for scene four. After a loving uh, trip to the concession stand, Saul is fearful. He throws himself on the ground. And the woman saw that Saul was terrified. So she decides to provide him a meal for their journey. This woman, who has placed her life on the line for Saul, is now asking Saul to place his life in hers. Do you see the reversal continuing? This person who has been expelled and shut out and who shouldn't be existing is now providing. Let me feed you. And then, like it's 3.30 in the afternoon and you're a six-year-old, Samuel says, no, I'm not eating anything, right? Those of you who are just getting back to Disney World, it's like 3.30 in the afternoon, right? And nap time, right? You miss nap time. Same, he can't do anything right. Saul can't do anything right. Here, have a sandwich. Here, have a Snickers, Saul. You're not yourself. No. 
And then his men force him, like, no, 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 really, Saul, you need, you need to eat something. Like, we can all tell that the blood sugar's low. You need, you, need, you need some chocolate, right? So he does. He finally agrees to eat. He's doing nothing right. Hmm. It's kind of like at the beginning of the story when God says, you want a king? Okay. This is how this is going to work out for you. After they eat, it says that he, they rose up and went on their way. That's a different word. For Samuel to rise up from the ground means to exalt or give praise or to remember well. When it says Saul and his men rose up, it means to rise up against something. Like Cain rose up against Abel. Everything they do is backwards. It's opposite day in the kingdom of God. He pronounces a law that no one's following, not even him. He goes and finds a medium, which you're not supposed to do. He goes in disguise. It's night. He conjures up Samuel to get a good word from the Lord. And he goes, oh, by the way, you're going to die tomorrow. Here, eat something. No. And then finally, he rises up against everything and goes on his way. It's a fantastic story, masterfully told, and it reveals how absolute power corrupts absolutely. It's a story that should heighten our senses when someone makes rules that everyone else is supposed to follow, the same rules that they find themselves hard to keep. It should make us sensitive to the ways in which we project ourselves onto each other and find fault in everyone but ourselves. It's like when, <laughs> I, remember, I remember calling home and so um, when I was a kid, I used to sing all the time in the house, right? All by myself. I mean, just all the time. Until finally my dad said, if you want to sing, go mow the lawn, right? So it wasn't long ago that I called my parents and Robert was singing over and over and over and over again. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so annoying. And all my mother said was, is it? This story should be a reminder that, uh, and, and, and maybe you've heard this, the things we find most annoying in each other are the things that we ourselves do. Yeah? This story is a reminder of how we project. Saul is projecting his own fear and his own insecurity and his own impotent kingship on everyone around him. This is a story that also should remind us of who we have been asked to expel from our communities. The hero of, of the story is the person who wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. The story begins with Saul wanting to expel outsiders, well, until they were useful to him. And here's the thing, there is a biblical precedent for it. In Leviticus, it says clearly, don't consult with mediums. But I hope this series, Unlectionary, gives us a moment to realize that understanding these stories necessitates that we need some discernment and interpretation 
and wisdom. Just because the Bible says it, just because it's there, doesn't mean that we don't treat it with intentionality and discernment and interpretation and wisdom. And look, friends, I would love to release hungry bears into the community of anyone who makes fun of me for being bald. But that story should teach us that when we look to scripture, we should meet it with discernment and interpretation and wisdom, especially when scripture is used to expel certain people from the community, even with biblical precedent, because the story reveals that even witches and wizards, regardless if they are in Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff, can proclaim a prophetic truth. Much like last week, when we heard a talking donkey reveal the word of God, do not be so proud as to think you have discerned all of the ways in which God can speak. Sometimes, God speaks to us through unsung heroes that shouldn't have been there in the first place those who have been cast aside and cast out even with biblical precedent, do not be so proud. Do not put on treachery. Do not be so proud as to think God only speaks through certain people that we enjoy their voice. This story reminds us that we should take heed of God's word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.